careful. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, uh, the church, uh, really, and really the purpose and the vision behind why we're here and, you know, giving to missions and all of those things. And all of those things are good. And we should be mindful of, you know, um, where we're at as a church and even what we're called to do and even in being generous to other people. And all of those things are important. But if we forget the why behind it, we're in trouble. And, uh, you know, and so I want to remind you a little bit this morning about why we gather as a church and part of uh, really, uh, really God's plan for you. Because it's, if we're not careful, we, let me say it this way, we can become so much about the work for God that we forget about walking with Him. And that's the most important thing because the work will wear you out if you don't have the connection with Him. And so it's important, you know, and even in our believing God to do more and to stretch out and to do things, all of those things are great and they're good. But I've also been on the other side of it where I just work myself and work myself and work myself and work myself, doing a lot of really good things. But I had lost sight of what mattered the most. And so what ended up happening was I just got, I just got tired. I just got wore out, you know. And so I want to share some things with you along this line. And, uh, and I believe it has... Several applications in our life, but uh, whatever it applies to you, you can do with it what you need to. So, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is here speaking, and he's talking to a crowd, and picking up in verse 28. I'm going to read you a couple verses, and then we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit together this morning. But in verse 28, uh, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me. All of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 30 says, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden that I give is light. Now, you know, there's a lot that Jesus just said in this moment. Whether we realize it or not, he has thrown down the gauntlet to the people he was talking to. Why? Because what they understood about living for God was nothing more than keeping rules and regulations. That's all they knew. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew that they were sinful. And they were just hoping that God would be merciful to them. That was the extent of really their understanding and knowledge of God. And yet Jesus says here, he says, Come to me, you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Well, we think of it in our New Testament mindset from this standpoint of, well, you know, I'm tired, life's hard, life's difficult. Their mindset was very different than ours. Their mindset was the weight of their sin to a holy God. And the Pharisees and the religious elite of the day made sure to remind them at every turn that you are pitiful. Like you're a disgrace and let's just hope That God is going to be merciful to you. And so they were carrying the immense weight of their sin. How many of you remember when you came in contact with God for the first time, the weight that lifted off of your shoulders? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one? There's a few people who who remember that moment where what? The weight of sin and it was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I can breathe. Well, they didn't understand that. See, we look at this verse, this side of salvation and like, oh yeah, Jesus is just talking about my day-to-day life. And while I believe there's application in that, I also believe that it's much deeper than that. Jesus makes a statement and he says, number one, come. Come where? Come to him. So even, and it doesn't matter really whether we are 
dealing with circumstances, situations, sin in our life, whether we are living for the Lord to the best of our ability, Jesus still gives the same call, which is come. Come to me if you're tired. Come to me if you're burdened. Come. Why? And he goes on. He says, come to me, you who are weary. That word weary means uh, to be tired or exhausted from work or from grief. Have you ever grieved to the point where it just exhausts you? Where you were overwhelmed with emotion or maybe circumstances that, and you're grieving? Jesus says, come. Even doing good things, even good things for the Lord. You just get pressed to a point where you're like, man, I am just tired. Jesus says, come. Come to him. Why? And he says, I will give you rest. Jesus says, look, if you're, let me say it this way. If you're tired in your soul, come to me. He's talking to a crowd who know nothing about forgiveness. They know nothing about the goodness of God. All they are afraid of is the judgment. And they're afraid that if they make one more wrong turn, the earth might swallow up and take them. Because that was what they had been taught and that's what their leaders had told them over and over and over and over again. And yet Jesus comes on the scene with a very different message. Where the Pharisees and the religious elite had used the word of God as legalism and as pressure to try to manipulate the people to do what they believe. And, and, and here's the thing. We always make the Pharisees, the Sadducees, all the religious. We make them out like they were just terrible guys. They were doing what they believed was right. To the best of their knowledge. The Pharisee spirit is alive and well today. There are many people in many churches that are nothing more than a modern day Pharisee. And we have to be careful. Number one, that we don't become a Pharisee. But also that we don't begin to really allow the pressure and the weight of what we perceive that that we're to do or to be. To now fall on our shoulders. You know Paul told the Corinthian church this. He says who has fooled you or who has tricked you into thinking. That what began in the spirit. And he's talking about salvation. That you now could complete in your flesh. You didn't save yourself. And you can't save yourself today. Is how I would say that. No amount of our being good or holy or righteous or whatever it may be. Is dependent on what we necessarily do. Now, the truth of the word of God is this, is that when I would submit my life to Jesus, I can come to him, I can find rest, and now I can be empowered to live in a way that God wants me to live. But it's not in my own strength and it's not in my own ability. There is this dependency that we've got to have upon the presence of God. And it's exactly what Jesus says. He says, look, if you will come to me, I will give you rest. Let me say it another way. I will ease the burden. See, there's this amazing thing about the grace of God. is the grace of God enables you to handle and to carry a load that you can't do of yourself. So it's not that the load gets lightened, but what it does is that you get some assistance. You get the grace of God to now help you to do the things that God is asking you to do. This word burdened here, he says that you carry heavy burdens. It actually means to be weighed down or to be loaded up. You know, I've been in foreign countries where they don't believe in like weight limits 
on anything. I mean, I've seen motorcycles that were piled up, and I'm not exaggerating, 10, 12 feet high. And one little guy on the front of like a moped. And the stuff's just strapped. I mean, it's a big old bubble. And I'm like, how did you? I mean, it's like an engineering marvel. How did you stack all of that on there? It's amazing. And then you see vehicles and it's just, I mean, they're just loaded. And yet, some of you probably feel that way this morning. The weight of the world is on your shoulders. That's the way you feel. That if I don't do this and if I don't do that, I'm going to let this person down. I'm going to let that person down and this person's watching it. And I don't want to let the Lord down. And the weight is pressing. And Jesus is saying to you, come. He'll give you rest. The weight that you're trying to carry isn't yours to carry. Jesus says, hey, you're tired. Come. You're way down. Come. Here's another aspect of this. Some of you this morning, I'll ask a question and I'm going to give you some examples of different ways that I believe this plays out. This is just something for you to think about, but... Are you tired this morning? And I don't mean like in a physical sense, like, man, I didn't sleep well and my sinuses are acting up and I got all this stuff. I'm not, I don't mean it in the physical, like I just need a good nap today because it's Sunday and naps are holy and just extra special on Sunday, right? It's the day of rest where it's the day of nap. The Lord said it. I mean, he called it the day of rest. And I don't mean in a physical sense because this is what I can tell you in my own life and in my own experience. And I know some of you can attest to this. That a moment in the presence of God would do more for me than a good night's sleep. Why? Because it has nothing to do with the quantity of the time. It's the quality of the time. And when I get into the presence of God, God's presence does something in me that no amount of rest or vacation or... I mean, you know, we go on vacation and then we come back and we're like, man, I need a day off for my vacation. Why? Because vacation does not necessarily mean relaxation. Especially not in our heart, not in our soul, not in our mind. I mean, I remember a number of years ago, we'd gone to the beach and I was there four days and I was leaving the next day and I finally took a deep breath. It took me four days to get on vacation and I was there. But in my mind, I was just all these things rolling around in my head. I made a determination that that year. I was like, I will never waste another vacation. When I go on vacation, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to unplug me and Jesus and my wife and my family. We're going somewhere and we're going to get along. And I am glad to say in the last few years I've done that. That I've learned how to do that, that. Because my natural inclination is just stay at it. Stay busy. Stay doing. And yet Jesus here gives us. Really, the question is that, are you tired this morning? Let me give you a couple of of examples of this. Are you tired of shame? Are you tired of your past and being embarrassed about it? I mean, look, the Bible says that our past has been redeemed. It's been washed in the blood of Christ. My past is my story. Part of my past is what's made me who I am today. And I don't need to be ashamed of my past. doesn't mean that I brag about it. But I also don't need to be ashamed of why, because it has been redeemed. God has used my past to help make who I am today. And yet the enemy would love nothing more than for you to feel shameful about your past. 
He would love nothing more than for you to stay mired in yesterday because you can't live in today and you miss out on the joy and the strength of today. Along that same one is this, are you tired of being guilty? Of feeling guilty all the time? The enemy loves to just, well, you're not doing enough. You could have done better. Which part of my personality, the the enemy preys on that part of my, because of my drive. You always could do more. You could always be better. I can never be satisfied in a lot of ways. So I've had to have the Lord help me and really through the help of the Holy Spirit to teach me how to chill out and relax sometimes and smell the roses. That's what my wife tells me. There's joy in the journey and I'm like, the joy's getting there. Like when I'm there, I'll be happy. Well, I've had to unlearn that. And it's like, it's okay to take a pit stop and it's okay to, to... you know, I don't have to be there in two hours and 42 minutes because that's my fastest time yet. And anything less than that is unacceptable because that is how my mind works. If I'm trying to set land speed records, I leave there at home and uh, I go by myself. And, uh, but if she's with me, I'm learning to enjoy the process and enjoy. But you know what? But even in that, there are aspects of my life. And in your life that the enemy would love for you just to remain in a guilty place. Why? Because it robs you of the strength and that rest that Jesus wants to give. Are you tired of constantly being aware of your sin and your falling short? Of you knowing you don't measure up to what God wants you to be? Now that may not apply to all of you, but I know that it does to some of you. There's this constant reminder of why... You're a fake and you're a phony and you're not who you portray to everybody else that you are. If they only knew the real you, what would they say? What would they think? That's the lie of the enemy. And yet he could be just pounding you with it. And Jesus says, come to me and you'll find some rest. How about this one? Are you tired of depending on yourself? That's one that's pretty... Close to me because I'm like, oh, I can do it. I'll figure it out. You know, we're not designed to do life by ourselves or for ourselves or with ourselves and our own strength and our own abilities. We were created as dependent. Adam and Eve were completely whole in the garden until they lost the presence of God. And they realized in a moment, they realized how dependent they were on God. They didn't know it before because that's all they knew. They had the presence of God. It was everywhere. It was a perfect environment. And yet through the fall and through sin, they lost that. And so they, they realized their need for God. Even as saved, born again, tongue-talking believers today, do you still realize that you have a need for God? You're like, oh, well, I'm spirit-filled. Great. That's awesome. But do you realize you still have a need for God this morning? That you can't do and be everything that God wants you to be in and of yourself. But see, even in that, if we're not careful, we get caught up in this trap of, well, I'm going to be better and I'm going to do better and I'm going to figure this out and I'm going to overcome this area of my life. And Jesus says, quit trying and just come to me. Why? Because when you come to him, you find strength. When you come to him, you find that ability and all of a sudden, even your desires would begin to change. Why? Because you came to Jesus. 
You know, the, in this day, uh, and really the context of what Jesus is talking to the crowd, I've already mentioned it a little bit, but the Pharisees constantly leveraged guilt against the people as, a, as really a mechanism to get them to do what they wanted to do. And over in, and we won't turn there, but you can read it later, Matthew chapter 23, Jesus really makes an accusation against the Pharisees. And he just begins slamming them. Because he says, you know, he, he talks about how you tithe even down to like your uh, herbs and spices. How many of you know herbs and spices don't weigh nothing? I mean, most of them are leaves. I mean, and he's like, you, you tithe just the, to the tiniest tenth amount. And yet you do nothing with the... And, and, he talk, and he says, that's an insignificant part. Or a, a less important part. Than the greater ones, which are uh, justice, grace, mercy, faithfulness. And he's looking at them and saying that, that you're weighing all of these heavy burdens on people and you're so concerned about the external because the Pharisees always had to look the part. But yet Jesus called them whitewashed tombs with dead man's bones on the inside. That's a powerful statement. Let me give you a modern translation of what Jesus just said to them. You look perfect on the outside, but on the inside you're filthy. What was he saying? You're, you're, you're on the outside, you look the part, but on the inside, your heart is not changed. And even for us as believers, and I believe even walking with the Lord, even given some time, it's easy to fall into the trap of, well, I know the motions and I know that, you know, at the, during worship, we raise our hands at this point, And, you know, at this point, we're, it's going to build and we're going to go through the, but where's your heart this morning? Is your heart connected to the worship? Is your heart connected to the word? Is your heart connected to the father? Because all of this that we do can just be function. But there can be no power. If we lose the connection with God, we've lost all ability to actually see real change made. We can have programs and we can have this and we can have that and we can have missions programs. We can do all these great things. In the arm of the flesh, and yet nobody's life will actually be changed. Amen. And let me say it this way. We can have a lot of programs and a lot of stuff, and you'll never be changed. Right. We don't exist as a church for us and to function for us. We exist for really one reason, to come in contact with God and to help other people come in contact with God. Because that's the only way that people can actually change, us included. We are powerless to change ourselves. I've given up on all hope of changing anybody else. Because I can't change me. And I realize that. But yet, when I come to Jesus, He actually does a work in me. When I surrender my heart and really come to the Lord and say, Alright God, I need help. It's exactly what He says. Jesus says, if you'll come, I'll, I'll help. I'll give you rest. I'll, I'll be everything that you need. See, I've got good news for you this morning is that if you come to Jesus, he won't reject you. Now, you may be here this morning. And you're like, well, I've never came to you. I'm not saved. I'm just here because somebody invited me. I'm not sure why I'm here. Great. This could be your morning. But you may be here and say, well, I've come to Jesus. I, I am saved. Maybe you need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you're not doing anything overtly sinful. 
But you know, there, there is a church in, in the book of Revelations that Jesus gives a pretty stern word to. It's the church of Laodicea. And he says, do you remember where you once were and how far you've fallen? And he says, come back to your first love. Come back to the reason that we even gather Come back to the purpose. Why? Because I'm a life that has been changed. You're a life that has been changed by the grace and the power of God. But if I ever lose sight of that, and if I ever pull away from that, then all I am is nothing more than a Pharisee that is pretty close. But yet my heart's no different. I want to progressively, that's what Paul said, I want to progressively, continually growing, coming more and more and more into the knowledge of God and of my Savior, Christ Jesus. That's what Paul said, progressively. I don't want to stand before the Lord one day and say, well, I got saved when I was 16. I thought that would get me into heaven. You know, most of our nation believes that. Roughly 70% of Americans identify as Christians. Roughly. But yet, they went to an altar one time and prayed a prayer thinking, well, my pastor in Kansas used to say, got my fire insurance paid up. I'm good. But yet their heart never changed. Words do not equate to salvation. Heart change does. And it's not about being perfect. But it is about opening up our heart to the Lord. And even here, it's so important and I want you to hear this, is that Jesus will not push you away. I don't care about all of your reasons of of what you've got or why you can't or what may be going on or what lie you've bought into that the enemy has told you. He will not reject you. Why? Because he's already died for you. He shed his blood. The Bible says he was the perfect, spotless, sinless lamb that was sent in our place. So why would he reject the very thing that he paid for? Which is us. So when we come to Jesus, He will accept us. I love this verse, and I've shared it many times, but it comes out of John chapter 4, verse 34. We won't turn there, but I'm going to give you the reference so you can look it up. It's the woman at the well. The disciples go fetch Jesus lunch. He's sitting there having a conversation with a lady that he's really not culturally supposed to be talking to. He says, get me a drink. And he says, hey, if you knew who was standing here. You would ask me for a drink. And I would give you living water. And of course she wants to get off the subject and change the... So Jesus says, okay, we can change the subject. Hey, go get your husband. Oh, that's right, he's not your husband, is he? You've had multiple husbands. But see, even in that, we we look at that like he's so condemning in that moment. But yet it's, it's grace and action. He didn't condemn her. But he did say, hey, go and sin no more. And the Bible says she went back home and she started telling folks about this crazy man out at the water well. Right as that whole interaction's winding up, the disciples show up with lunch. And Jesus makes this statement that just messed with me for years. And I still don't know that I can even fully grasp it, yet here I am. Still wrestling with it, I think, to a degree. And he says, my nourishment, he's talking to the disciples, because he says, I'm not hungry. Now, I'm paraphrasing, so just stick with me here. 
He says, I'm not hungry. And then they all want to know because they're always jockeying for position and they want to know who's where. And they're like, who brought him lunch? And nobody saw it. Who got here first? And, you know, all those types of things. And Jesus says, look, I have nourishment that you know nothing about. I have something that sustained me that you guys are clueless to. And that verse messed with me for a long time. And here was my thought. I don't know what he's talking about. I think I do, but I know I don't know it like what he's saying. And that word nourishment, I began to study that verse over quite a period of time. Other translations will say it this way, is that I have food that you know not of. Well, that doesn't really sound all that impressive. It's like, okay, well, Jesus being spiritual, you know, he's, he speaks mysteries we can't understand. And yet I began to study it out and then I came across the word nourishment. All of a sudden that gave me a little bit more of a glimpse into it. So then I began to study it out. And what does that really mean? And, and really look into it. Saying, okay, Lord, why is this verse just... You ever had a verse that just stuck with you? And you just couldn't shake it for some reason? This was one of those verses for years for me. For several years. And what I came to was this. Is that... Uh, the definition that I finally came to for the word nourishment was this. Is that it, it's that which truly uh, delights and satisfies the mind and the soul. Jesus was talking to the disciples about lunch, but he wasn't talking about food. See, this morning, I mean, I know here in the next hour or so, we'll probably all be eating lunch. And some of you are probably already thinking about lunch. But here's the thing. I'm sharing with you something that's actually more important than your next meal. And you don't realize that you could actually miss your next meal if you'd actually get a hold of what I'm telling you right now. And you wouldn't even miss the meal. You're like, oh, well, that's just preacher talk. If that's what you want to call it. But yet Jesus, the master, says, I have nourishment. See, I believe that that's true for us as well. That we could actually connect with God to such a degree that we could be so satisfied... And I love how it says, I don't remember it was, I don't remember where I gathered all this. I think, I don't even know, maybe I've kind of paraphrased a bunch of stuff. But um, it's, I love, how, though, that it says that which truly delights. Do you have something that you delight in? If you're a parent, you have a child and you delight in them. Most days, some days, right? <laughs> At one point you delighted in them, maybe. Maybe it's your, your spouse or, you know, whatever it may be. Maybe you have a hobby that really, that's your thing. And that, and that brings delight into your life. And yet, here, Jesus says, he actually walks with the Father where it delights his soul and his mind. There are things that we do in this life that can uh, delight our, our, our flesh and our soul. We can watch entertainment, we can, you know, we can watch sports and our team will win and we're all excited. If you're a lady, you go shopping and you get a great deal and you're just delighted. You're like beside yourself. Like it was supposed to be X number of dollars and I got it for 90% off and then I had a coupon to get 5 more percent off and I got it for this and you're all delighted. Right? You're like, praise the Lord. And if you're like me and my family, we're foodies. I love good food. I love to eat. The Lord made food and called it blessed. I say amen. 
And you can go and eat a good meal. And yet leave that meal physically full, but yet heart-filled starving. In your soul, you can be absolutely starving. And if your body could just... You're like, I couldn't eat another bite. The thought of food right now makes me ill. So your body is filled to capacity with even the best food. And yet your soul can be absolutely vacant of anything that matters. See, this is what really matters. And the truth is, is that we live in a world that knows nothing about this truth. It's the miracle of salvation. It's, the, it's really the majesty of God. That when we actually walk with Him and, and, and learn and understand who He is and what He wants to be in us, that all those earthly things don't really matter as much. Why? Because they fail in comparison to Him. And it's easy to become so about stuff and our world and our life and this and that. And yet we've forgotten the very first thing, most important thing. And the good news is, is that even to us who may be there in this moment, Jesus still says, come. Come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and I'll fill that void in your life. Come to me and I'll, I'll heal that, that part of you that you're ashamed of and you pray nobody ever finds out about. That's the God that we serve. See, God never makes things complicated. We make them complicated. The Pharisees made them complicated to the people. They had to jump through all these spiritual hoops and do all these things and all these acrobatic moves to try to please God and just, you know, we're going to do all of these things. You know, and many times we can read through the Old Testament and we see all the things that are going on. You're like, man, this is just a bunch of blood and bulls and goats and birds and weird stuff. And I don't quite understand what's happening. It was all pointing to Jesus. That's the simple answer. It was all pointing to Jesus. And when we actually understand the Old Testament, we actually understand what Jesus did for us. So, by nature, we always complicate things. Yet God is very simple. God doesn't complicate things for us. Now, the church can. Religion definitely does. Makes it more challenging yet Jesus says, hey, it's simple. You just come. How did you get saved? You came. Right? You came to Jesus and you surrendered. That's how salvation happens. And the same is true even this morning. If you would answer yes to any one of those where I said, hey, are you tired? And you're like, you know what I am. I'm tired of, having, of being empty. I'm tired of not feeling fulfilled. God's still the same simple God that He's always been. Now, God is marvelous, and yet He's marvelously simple as well. All you've got to do is come. You come and you, and you surrender your heart afresh. It's not like getting saved again, although you can, you know that's not the way it works. But but you can surrender your heart and say, Lord, I need a fresh touch from you. I need to drink from the wells of salvation. That's the way the psalmist wrote it. He said, with joy, you'll draw up from the wells of salvation. See, we have the God of the universe 
who's available to every one of us right now. Everything that you need and everything you need for fulfillment is in Him. Because you can have everything you want. You can have the house you want, the car you want, the, the spouse you want, the kids you want, the dog you want. You can have it all. And still be missing something. Still longing for something. And all of those things, you were just trying to fill a void that those things could never fill. Why? Because it's Jesus. And He alone can fill that. Nobody else can. Nothing else can. No amount of status of any kind will ever fill. So you come back and say, okay, well, what do I do? I identify with what you're talking about. And and yeah, hey, that's me. What do I do? It's surrender. It's not difficult. It just is the doing it. And and it's got to be genuine. It's got to be heartfelt. When I say surrender, what I mean is that, and this may be another aspect, is that we have to have a fresh surrender on our part, which means this, is it means you may have to come and lay down some good things. There may be some bad things, some things that you're not so proud of. There may even be some ugly things. But either way, you're going to come and lay them down. And God, whatever I am, I am. It's yours. Doesn't matter. Acts chapter 3 verse 19 says this. I'm reading this out of the Amplified Bible. Familiar passage of scripture. So it says, so repent and change your inner self. Change your old way of thinking and regrets from your past sins and return to God. It says, so that your sins will be wiped out and blotted. Blotted out, completely erased. So that when we repent, the last part of the verse says, So that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day. Restoring you. See, that's God's heart. God is a restorer. We say that, oh, I became brand new when I got saved. Well, theologically, that's not accurate. Yes, I was born into sin, but I was not made for sin. You were not made for sin. We were made for the life of God to flow through us. See, God comes to restore. God comes to restore what was lost, to restore what was stolen. And I love the imagery that's here, that that God comes to restore like a cool wind on a hot day. I mean, we're getting, you know, we're in springtime now. Unfortunately, which means summer's even closer. Even though I'm not a big fan of hot weather, I do love a cool breeze on a hot day. It's like, oh my gosh, that refreshing air. Well, some of you need to allow the Lord to breathe afresh into your life and into your heart. You need that move of the presence and the Spirit of God. To come into your heart. Why? Because that's where your life is. It's not difficult. It's not hard. But we do have to come to the Lord. And it may be, Lord, I'm sorry that I've made other things more important than you. I've allowed good things to get in the way of of my relationship and, and my time with you. And yet here the Bible says is that when we make that decision and we change our mind, change our thoughts, that God's presence would come in and restore I want to make a statement just because I, I believe it's important and I want you to catch what, I said, what I'm telling you this morning. Is that God's presence is meant to be experienced. 
not just to be talked about. We can come to church and we can talk and we can all that good stuff. At you know the old phrase talk is cheap. At some point I need to see that it's real. And at some point you got to see that it's real and it's got to become personal. You can't live off of somebody else's story forever. At some point, you're going to have to have your own encounter with God and your own experience with God. And even in those moments where you feel like, man, I'm just not where I need to be. In that moment is the greatest moment to say, Jesus, can I come? Because he's not going to say no. He's got open arms. Let me read you a couple verses. Psalms 36 verse 7. says, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. He says, all of humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. He says, you feed them from the abundance of your house, letting them drink from your river of delights. He says, for you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Now think about that. It says that God feeds all of creation from the abundance of his house. And yet there's a river of delight that we get to drink from. We have access to the throne of God. To the presence of God. That hey, I'm not left to figure out my life and to do day-to-day life without the presence of God. I wasn't built or intended to do that. I was intended to be connected vitally to the presence of God day-to-day. Why? So that it can cause me to live way beyond myself. And the same is true for you. The beginning of verse 7 talks about how precious is your unfailing love. The only reason that we would feel guilty and would not come to the Father is because we don't have an understanding of how much He loves us. I might make missteps and I might do things that, you know, aren't pleasing to the Lord. But I have an understanding that He's not mad at me. And the best thing that I could do is to go to Him, not run from Him. Guilt makes you run away. An understanding of who you are would cause you to run to Him. Psalms 34 verse 8 through 10, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. It says, Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. It says, Fear the Lord, you His godly people. For those who fear Him will have all that they need. Do you lack anything this morning? The Bible says it can be yours. Verse 10 says, even strong uh, young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. God says, look, I will provide everything that you need and everything that you desire. It's there for you. But yet we have to make that step, that motion, and and say, God, I'm going to surrender my heart afresh and anew to you because I need that connection with you. And it's not complicated. God did not make this difficult. Jesus simply says, come. Come to me and you're going to find rest. You're going to find that which truly satisfies your heart, your soul, your mind. That it would give meaning and purpose to the rest of your life. See, Paul told Timothy and gave him a warning about people that he should be careful of. Specifically speaking about 
the end times, the days in which I believe that we're living. And he gave a warning and he says that there would be people that would hold to the truth like a Pharisee. He said, yet they would deny the very power that would make them godly. In other words, they would come to church and they'd be good little Christians and they would, you know, be nice and and do all these things. And yet they would deny the very power of God that would transform their heart, transform their mind, transform their life. Well, how do I get into that transforming power place? It's only in the presence of God. There's nowhere else that I can go to. There's nowhere else that you can go to. I want to read you the, my opening text again, but I want to read it out of another translation. Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to read this out of the message. Adam, you can go ahead and come up. <clears throat> Verse 28 out of the message says this. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out on religion? It says, come to me. It says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. There's that word again, recover. It says, I'll show you how to take a real rest. Now, that's an interesting statement to me. Because even what that says to me is that I don't even know how to rest. Because sleeping is not rest. You ever slept like a little too long and then you feel more tired than you did when you went to sleep? Yeah. It's like, man, I just can't sleep enough. I need to take a vacation just to sleep. At the end of your vacation of sleep, you would still be tired. Because right. that's not the problem. It's not hours of eyes being shut. There's a rest that has to happen in our soul and in our heart. And Jesus says, he says, come to me and what? I'll show you how to take a real rest. He says, walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. He says, keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's God's desire for you this morning. For you to live freely and lightly. Not weighed down, not burned down. I I didn't, um, God, let me say it this way, is that God did not save us to free us from the weight of sin and our own junk to now put heavy weights back on us that we call religion. Religion will do that. Jesus does not do that. Jesus says, come to me, and you're going to find real rest. And hey, don't worry about it, because what I'm going to place on you, it's not heavy and it's not difficult. It's my grace and it's my ability. It's my mercy in your life. And you can actually walk through this life like you did that first moment that you got saved, that first moment that you realized, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and God's grace comes in and, and it removes that yoke. And, and all of a sudden, you long for those days, and you say, man, why can't I live there? Because it was easy and I just loved God and everything was so great. But now, all this pressure and all this weight. If that's you this morning, you're carrying the wrong burden. Because Jesus, your Savior, says this. He says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. I'm not going to overload you. I'm not going to have you like the little guy on the moped with, you know, 15 feet of stuff stuck on the back. 
It's like riding a wheelie everywhere. He says, I'm not going to overload you. What God wants to, to place upon you is His ability on the inside of you. But it does require an honest assessment of our own heart. And said, okay, God, this is where I'm at. And I realize that I've been dependent on myself. I, I, I've, I've allowed the enemy to lie to me for far too long about where I'm at and in my condition and, and what I'm looking at and how I see myself. And Lord, I'm coming to you and asking you. I'm tired of being in the rat race. It's about that connection with God and on a personal level. See, what many times what happens is that even in really good churches is that we offer religion, but we don't offer Jesus. And here's the, here's the difference. Religion brings pressure. Jesus brings life. I've said this many times, and it's just I, I see a truth in Scripture that when people came in contact with Jesus, they changed. Why? Because he brought life. They didn't have to try to change. They changed. Why? Because they came in contact with the power of God. The same is true for us. It doesn't matter if you've been saved for two minutes or 20 years. 50 years. It doesn't matter. A moment in the presence of God. I had a girl here not too long ago. It's been a little bit while ago, but it was a girl who... She lives in Atlanta now, but... uh, I was a little bit older than she was, but... I used to minister uh, when I was... there in Shreveport every now and then this was really before I'd ever gone into the ministry I was just a lay person but you know there's a gift in God will open a door right and uh, so I would preach every now and then so I remember and I was probably only maybe 18 or 19 at this time uh, I'd only been saved for maybe a year or two I don't know why in the world they let me preach because I didn't have a clue what I was talking about and um, but they did I knew a little bit I guess and um, but I was preaching to the youth group and I remember I was talking um and I don't even remember the, even the sermon, but this girl, she came up to me here a while back, and she's now in leadership in a church out in Atlanta. And she was like, she's like, hey, I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, uh, okay. I didn't really know why. She said, you know, a long time ago, she goes, I remember you preached a sermon. And she he said, or she told me, she said, and you talked about this thing that you would do sometimes. You call it Holy Ghost naps. And I was like, and I kind of laughed. And she said, I have told more people about that. She goes, and that has helped me so much. And you're like, well, what in the world is that? By personality, I'm not a napper. I mean, I'll lay down for like 10 minutes and I'll get up and I'm good. And Dara's like, you couldn't even have been asleep. I mean, Dara's like, if it ain't an hour or two, it don't qualify. You know? She's like, I can't even go to sleep in 30 minutes, you know? And she's like, I can't tell you how much that's helped me in my life. And how many times when things got hard. And what is that? And look, I'm not telling you to do this. I'm just telling you that from time to time, and I can tell. I'll spend some time in prayer and worship. And I can sense the presence of God. And used to, especially in our youth group in Kansas, we had a really large building there. and So I had this big building I'd walk around in. But sometimes, you know, because I was busy doing something. But I... I would just, I could sense exactly what I'm talking about this morning. But I was just tired. Maybe in my flesh, but even in my soul, which is much, much deeper. 
And I would get in those times of prayer and, and worship before God and just spending time in his presence. And I would just go lay down flat on the stage. And you walked in, you'd think I was taking a nap. Which I kind of was, but it wasn't the kind of nap you think. And I would just allow the presence of God. And I would say, Lord, man, I, I need your presence right now. I, I need that fresh air. And it's amazing. God's always been faithful because he's always done it. But he didn't do it unless I asked. He didn't do it unless I came and said, Lord, I, I need your presence right now. And it's amazing to me. Like I said, I'm not a big napper. I might lay there for a few minutes, maybe five minutes. And I would, I mean, even physically, I would get up and have more energy. My soul would be satisfied. Nobody else was around. It was just me in a big building by myself. But I made a priority of the presence of God. And I said, Lord, I just want to receive from you right now. And God's presence would fall on my heart and begin to just minister to me. Nobody was there for, to pray for me. No, I, I didn't. Let me say it this way. I didn't need somebody to pray for me. Because the one who I was praying to was right there. And his presence comes in. And it, you know, and every now and then, even, even still, to this day, I do that. I'll sit in my office, kick back in my chair a little bit, get my feet up on my desk. I'll be spending some time praying and worshiping and just spending some time with him. All right, Lord, I... I need to pull it from that well of salvation. And that's not reserved for me as a pastor. That's reserved for me as a son of God. That's reserved for you as a son or a daughter of God. But it's the priority of the presence of God. And just saying, Jesus, I, I come. I come to you right now and I ask you to help fill me up. My soul is empty. My heart is empty. And he will. And he'll show you how to get that rest that he's talking about there in Matthew 11. Just come to me and you'll, I'll, I'll teach you. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Something that would really satisfy you to your core. And if you'll do it, I, I, I promise you. You'll sense the presence of God in such a real way, in a personal way. It's not manufactured. It's not emotionalism. It's just genuine. And that's my heart for our church, is that we genuinely seek God. People can say whatever they want to about us, but what they can't say is that we're heathen, or that we're fleshly, or that we're carnal, or that this or that. Now, those people love God. Some of them might be weird, but they love God. That's okay. If the world calls me weird, that's a good thing. I don't want to be like them. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way, but look, I, I want to be different. I, I want to experience the realness of God's presence. And I want to be changed in His presence. And that's my heart for you. Is that you would actually get to a place where you press in and man and God gets a, a hold of your life in a fresh way. I'm not saying that you've never experienced the presence of God or anything like that. But you need the presence of God as much right now in this moment as you did the moment you got saved. And the truth is you might need it more. So I just want to encourage you this morning. All it takes is to come. It's not hard. It's not difficult. Just come to Jesus and he'll be there. And he'll meet you right, right where you're at. Right where you are. And it's just, hey, Lord, I need you in this moment.